Here's your host, Alex Garrett. All right, well, this is kind of cool. You know, I, I like to continue the conversation, if you will, or turn the page to a very, uh, in the same conversation. And uh, Teresa Farrell, who I talked to a couple weeks ago, knows my next mutual friend, Tony Welch, who's also in the acting business. And Tony, we know each other on multiple levels now through yeah. Facebook, through my stepdad. Yeah. But firstly, uh, thanks for finally joining my podcast. It's great to have you on. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. So, so let me tell you a little bit about Tony. He's actually acted with Martin in Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. He was yeah. there right next to Al Pacino. It was Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa, let's start there because yeah. people love Scorsese, Pacino, that sure. movie. Um, sure. What was that experience like? It was a great experience for me. I, I actually... Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure I was even going to be involved in it. I, I didn't get submitted for it originally. Then I got a call from casting a couple of days before I actually shot, you know, and uh, they asked me if I was available to do it. And I said, sure, I'm a tough one doing Why not? I didn't know what kind of role it was going to be. Um, uh, and then they came back and they said, we'd like you to play a guard. I said, fine. So I had to go down for a fitting to a story at Compton Studios. I got a haircut, got fitted for the outfit, and uh, and then it was great. And, uh, you know, I had two days on it and uh, two specific scenes. The first scene, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, the, the first scene was the fight scene between Al Pacino and Stephen Graham. That's the character that plays Tony Pro. And they're in the commissary, they're eating lunch, and uh, he smacks the tray away from Pacino, and they start fighting. So uh, I'm a guard in that scene. I, I hold the other prison, some of the other prisoners back while the, the fight's being broken up. And then uh, we broke from the weekend. That was back in December uh, on a Friday. Uh, and we broke. We came back Monday. And Monday when we came back, um, I had been hanging out with the other actor in that scene that I did, uh, the other guard. And we, and we made friends. And so we were together, you know, throughout most of that. Uh, and we were in the holding area on Monday, and one of the ADs came over to us, and he pointed to us, and he said, you two are going to walk Jimmy out. Now, in films, they typically use the character names. They don't use the actor names. So we knew Jimmy. It was Jimmy Hoffman. We knew it was Al Pacino and all that. So it was, it was, it was great. It was fun. Um, you know, we got on set for that day. That was a prison. It's an active prison in Kew Gardens, Queens. It's the uh, detention facility there. There's an actual wing that they use just for TV and film, but it's an active prison anyway. So we got there. It was a cold day. It was cold in that wing. It was December. And, you know, Al Pacino comes in, and he has his, you know, his scarf on, his parker on, and, you know, his assistant takes off, and he's getting ready to do the scene. He's in, he's in the moment and all that. And, um, you know, he was talking with us a little bit in between shots and all that. And it was fun because, he, you know, we had to do it several times because, you know, as he was walking, he was, you know, hunched over a little bit too too much, or he was walking a little bit too slow. And they had a person on the set uh, that reminded, I guess, of body language, and that, you know, he's, he's half a, in his whatever age he was at that time, but he was much younger than Al Pacino was, so he had to hold himself a certain way. So he had to keep on doing it a couple of times to make sure he was his posture was correct and things like that. But it was it was a great experience because, you know, you, you know you're, you're right there with uh, Al Pacino and, you know, Scorsese's involvement. I was watching Scorsese work with the actors in the first scene I did, how he works with them to improvise. And, you know, he actually gets involved in that beyond just lighting, you know, the lighting on the shot and all that. You know? Sure. So, well, and the CGI, I was telling uh, 
my girlfriend's dad when we watched it, the, the CGI, I felt like Scorsese wanted to bring everybody back to what De Niro and Pacino looked like in The Godfather, right? It felt right, like that kind right. of yeah, approach yeah, there. Basically, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and some people, I guess, had a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was, it was great. But, uh, you know, and, and they had little dots on their faces. Basically, it wasn't it wasn't such a big deal when you were actually with them. You know, they had the dots and the, 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 the camera, the three cameras, and the, the camera setup was great and all that. And you know, being on that set in that environment was great. You know, it's a learning experience if you're an actor in the film. You know, that's that's where you want to be around Scorsese, around Pacino, around you know Rodrigo Prieto was the director uh, of photography on that. He's uh, he's been nominated several times for Academy Awards, so. It was a great experience for me, and, and I, you know, and it's gotten a lot of play. I mean, you know, and, you know, you see yeah. it on Netflix when they when they, when you hold your screen, or, you know, watch it again. I've had a shot with me, and it, that that that's a that's a classic shot. It seems to be, you know, the the, the prison walk with the three, the way they they, they framed it and all that. So it was a uh, it was a nice experience. I didn't know how they were going to frame it. I didn't know I was going to get that much play time. I, you know, they actually played that clip on the Academy Awards last year when Pacino was up for. Um, Best Supporting Actor. They, you know, they play the clips of the nominees. I got about a second and a half. <laughs> oh screen, yeah, but, yeah. But it was it was fun to see. And I got when I was watching it, I didn't even realize my my cell phone sort of blown up with people calling me and saying, "I just saw you. I just saw your clip. I just saw your clip." So that was a fun experience. It was a great experience. You know, once in a lifetime, probably. But and I'm glad I was able to you know be a part of it in any small way. It was a small way, but I was happy to be part of it. So. So, Tony, in addition to acting, I know that you probably have a spiritual streak because you are friends with my stepfather. So tell us how spirituality incorporates into your acting, if that makes sense. Spirituality. Well, you know, I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm fortunate to be an actor. <laughs> I'm fortunate to get the opportunities I get. And, uh, you know, I, for me, uh, I, I don't know. I... I yeah, I'm just I'm just happy to be an actor and, and, and fortunate for whatever I get offered. And I'm, I'm writing now, you know, this uh, this series uh, called Street Smart, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm producing it. It's about the opioid epidemic, and uh, you know, I, I feel I want to I want to bring some of these uh, these social issues to light, you know, if I can, and shed a different uh, perspective on it. So, you know, well, I know that you're trying to to push that out there. So, how is that going? Well, it is. It's going. I mean, you know, uh, right now, like I said, we the pandemic, you know, has, has hurt us as well as many other productions and projects and actors. And last year, we were we were ready to have a, a fairly nice sized screening in Manhattan in a screening room with a lot of people invited, some some influential people invited in the industry. And of course, we never got to do that. And then, of course, you know, the whole industry shut down along with the rest of the world. And so it's pushed us back a little bit. But now we, we have a pitch, what they call a pitch package in the industry, where you're going to, when you have a, a pilot, it's a new series, you, you send it out, and uh, there's a process you go through and see if anybody wants to pick it up and, 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 and buy it from you. So that's where we are right now. Um, and, and it looks good because I'm approaching it from a different perspective. You know, I'm, I'm approaching it from... Um, some other sides of what people don't necessarily see. There's a lot of um, misconceptions, you know, out there about the opioid crisis and the opioid, the typical addict, per se. And uh, a lot of us know, you know, it, it, the drug dealers are involved and we see strung out junkies on the street 
and the drug cartels and all that. We know all that, but we also, a lot of people don't realize there are a lot of functioning working addicts in the world that are right next to us on the train or they live right next door to us in our houses. Sure. And, um, you know, and we, we don't think that's the same issue because they go to a doctor and get a prescription, you know, and it's all written out and it's fine. I go to pharmacists and I'm chilled and it's not a big deal. I can stop anytime I walk. It's not, and that's not true. So that's what I'm going to try to show. I'm going to try to show from the perspective of the other people, all demographics, all socioeconomic levels, um, you know, the doctors that are involved uh, and, sure. and, and the drug mills, the pharmaceutical companies, things like that. So we're going to try. Let me tell you, uh, when you see that your copay for medication is through yeah. the roof, you become yeah. part of that fight because it's like, yeah. Why why are we letting Big Pharma rule the day? That's another conversation for another day, but I want to yeah. ask you, <laughs> yeah. with re, with regard to the drug problem, with regard to sort of, as you say, junkies and everything, yeah. has New York City become less, because you're a city born and raised and sure. you've lived here your whole life, has the city become less attractive to film here because of the homeless crisis and because of the drug problem that we do see on our streets? Uh, well, that, that depends on what you ask, of course, but... Um, I mean, look, you know, L.A. and California have a big homeless problem, uh, and they still film out there. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, when, when COVID first struck, um, it became less attractive to film here for that because I think, uh, you know, New York City was one of the first hot spots and hot zones when it all first started, and the rest of the country didn't really have that kind of a problem. So production started, to, you know, when they shut down here, some of them moved out to back out west or went to Vancouver or Toronto and they shot there, you know, but then it, it caught up to the rest of the country and the world and then it's all shut down. So I, I don't know if, it, if it's because of that. I don't, I don't know if that would affect, uh, you know. Well, do you think in general then acting has like filming in New York has changed drastically in general, or do you feel like there's still good production value well, here and, and, and people coming back here to, to film? Well, they, that, that depends on tax incentives, too. You know, that's going to depend on politics. And, and if, they get, if they continue to get the tax breaks they've done in these productions, and they will, because that was a big part of coming here to film anyway. Um, because there were a lot of productions that have been here for several years now. Yeah, a lot of TV series that are shooting here. And um, right before Ray Donovan actually ended, they actually moved their entire production from L.A. to New York to shoot their last, I think, one, at least their last season, possibly possibly their last two seasons. And it had to do with, you know, the tax breaks and, you know, just the change of uh, location and scenery, too. But um, I, I think that it's going to pick up again. I, I really do. I mean, there's, there's productions out there now that shoot them. They're actually, I know I have some friends, uh, you know, working right now on series that have picked back up. I mean, it's slower than it was before. But I think that once the COVID issue gets out of the way, to a great extent. I think production will come back here. Yeah, and upstate, there's a big surge, too. There's a couple of major series on HBO uh, that are shooting up in Hudson Valley, uh, and, and two are in pre-production, and one's about to start. So they're here. I mean, they're here. I mean, that's upstate. I mean, that's not the city. I know there's a difference there. But, you know, again, um, they're in New York, so it's, 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 it's all good for, you know, for that, I think, so. Uh, Tony, I just actually got a word from Teresa, and she's hoping to see you again soon and work on your series. So that, that's pretty cool. Tell us, yeah, uh, your connect with Teresa. How did you guys uh, well uh, yeah. connect up? Well, Teresa, you know, we haven't actually met 
physically. We haven't met. We we know each other through circles. We have mutual circles, mutual friends, and um, you know, I, I, like I said, we, we're friends on Facebook and and we're in similar groups and similar circles. So we we, we commented on each other's posts, things like that. And then we have, uh, you know, she's she's worked with. She's going to start to work with Marcus Reyes, who has worked with myself and a few other my friends on some skills. So. We have that connection there. I hope, that, yeah, I hope that if this, I mean, I hope to work with Teresa one day. I, I absolutely do. And if we get this uh, series off the ground, um, being that it will be a series, I have, you know, the opportunity to give people a lot of work. Uh, some of my friends that I know that are good actors, I want to get them on the show. So absolutely, and she's one of them. Sure. But, uh, again, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting her in person once this all clears up, this COVID stuff, which hopefully will be soon. And we can get back out and see each other face to face. So social media really has changed the game as far as staying connected in the acting world, would you say? Oh, absolutely. The acting world, and especially during COVID, I, I would think. I mean, uh, you know, with Zoom, I mean, you know, I mean uh, there's an opportunity for me to read, do table reads and, and get involved in certain productions uh, that I would have to go physically to, like, L.A. or other cities for, that now, you know, because of the Zoom world, I was able to be a part of that because, you know, we had a table read for a friend of mine with people from not only all over the country, but in other parts of the world. And, uh, it was fun. So, so that's helped. That's helped you know, one thing I was, I was looking at in, in all your work that you did, you actually left the industry for 17 years, I believe yes. to raise a family. So first mm-hmm. of all, did you miss acting during that time? And what were those, what were those 17 years like raising your family <clears throat> while missing acting? Well, I missed the physical part of it. I definitely did. You know, I, I didn't pursue acting work for the, for that amount of time. But I always stayed in touch with, you know, my actor friends who were still involved in it, the producers, executives that I knew, cast and people that I knew. So I was out of it from the perspective of pursuing it, but I wasn't really out of it totally. But, yeah, I didn't miss it. I didn't miss it. But I, I felt that, I, you know, I couldn't do I couldn't do both things properly the way I wanted to do them. You know, uh, so I, 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 you know, I focused on my family and stayed out of pursuing it. But, but actually, uh, you know, I still stayed in it enough so that when I came back to it, a lot of those people that were still in it now remembered me, and I never lost touch with them. So it was a smoother transition to come back into it than it would have been. So you know, acting is a very tough job. Like you know, yeah. it's sort of like when you get it, you get it. So did you have to pick up corporate work, if you will, to supply? You know be with your family during that year? Oh, yeah, years. yeah, absolutely. I was I was actually, um, I started out where I did um, uh, conventions and trade shows. That was my, I, I, I started out as a temp doing those shows um, at the Javits Center in New York, and then I became uh, a permanent part of the company. It was a staffing company, a permanent staffing company that staffed most of the major um, trade shows, conventions, and special events in New York City. And I, you know, I, I got engrossed in it. When I get involved in something, I get involved in something. So I became, uh, eventually I became um, operations manager. And then eventually I became vice president of operations of that company. And we ran most of the shows and trade shows and corporate events in New York City and New Jersey, the Meadowlands Convention Center, uh, the uh, Javits Convention Center, the hotels in the city that uh, have conferences and trade shows. Um so that I did a lot of that for many years. And then when so I left that, I, my next question would be then: doing, doing all the you know, running around, becoming, yep. doing as vice president, 
I would say even though you were building the family for 17 years, the last year to be around them must have been so rewarding because you finally got to be around them. You know, it sounds like you were traveling a lot uh, during those years too. Well, yeah, I was. Um, well, I was at the show, yeah, and we did travel as, as part of that when I consulted. I consulted for a lot of these um, these show management companies as well. So I did shows in Vegas with them in Chicago and LA and all of that. But yeah, it was very rewarding, and I and I and I felt that I I knew I was going to get. Well, I was hoping I was going to get back into business one day. You know, when when the responsibilities slowed down a little bit and my son got older, and, you know, he's uh, in college now, so it was easier. You know, at that point. So, but you know, I just wanted to. Uh, I never, I never had a desire to leave it, and uh, I couldn't wait to get back to it. And sometimes it was hard, too. I'll be honest with you, because I was around with what I did with the convention staffing. I was around a lot of actors and entertainers because we would staff those type of people first because of the flexibility with their schedules and the flexibility that we needed for the conventions and the staffing. Uh, it worked well. So, um, so I always stayed around it and involved in it, and and I needed to, uh, you know, that, that kept my sanity to a great degree. Otherwise, I might have been totally depressed <laughs> if I hadn't been, you know, what I mean, not being able to pursue it and then not being around it at all. And a lot mm. of, a lot, I wrote a lot of that during that time too. I wrote some screenplays, just for myself, some plays, just to keep my mind active too with that. Oh, I know, bet. And, and it helped. And it helped. Because so, yeah. uh, would you consider yourself like a method actor? Like you have to keep it in practice, or what? Um, yeah, I am a method actor. I would say I'm a method actor. But a lot of people, uh, you know, have different perceptions of the method, and there are different styles of method. I mean, there's Lee Strasberg, there's Meisner, there's Adler, you know, So uh, depending on who you talk to, there's different aspects of it. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the method when I was at Lee Strasberg Theater Institute for several years uh, back in the '80s when I really started to seriously pursue it. And um, I enjoyed the method the most because it, it's it's really just using yourself, using your own life experiences and what you can bring to the role uh, as opposed to acting, quote-unquote, per se. You know, and I found that type, for me, uh, more interesting. You know, it, it felt more real for me. And to each his own, everybody has their own thing, whatever works for them, works for them, that's great. But for me, I enjoy that the most. But again, you know, I'm not that typical, stereotypical bad rep method actor where they, you know, they think you got to be in your role and your character for like, you know, the length of the production. So, you know, you got to go home with it. You got to come. You know, when I would do a role, I would, I would get in character. And when I finish the play or the project, you know, I'd go home as me, come back the next day, get back in the character. And then, you know, so, but uh, some people think they have to, you know, live it the entire time they're in the, uh, in the project, and that's just, uh, that's not true. Well, I would say that kind of thinking actually kind of killed Heath Ledger. They say that he got so immersed in that joke yeah. role that really got him messed up in the head. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's when people don't really, I mean, I mean, Lee Strasberg used to tell us, you know, he used to say to, uh, and I saw tapes from uh, as well, uh, Interviews. You're not. You don't want to really. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. You want to immerse yourself in it, and you want to dig deep down into your, you know, your personality, and see mm-hmm. you can pull up, pull up for the role. But again, if it's too strong, too much, um, you know, you got to, you got you to, gotta, you got to pull back from it. I mean, so that's why I say it's very misunderstood. It's important that you get the right person teaching it. Otherwise, you know, you can get into trouble with that kind of. A, you know, process. Yeah. Tony, as I'm thinking about all this, one one thing that I want to do, even as a podcaster, yeah. is to keep up 
working on improv because as you know yeah. improv uh is with anything in entertainment whether you're a broadcaster on Absolutely. the air radio sure. or in, in the movies so sure. wouldn't you encourage kids today that want to be in the acting world to take that improv class i mean it's so important well it is important i mean it gets you to think you know you think you, you get you 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 think on your feet you know it's very important i mean it's Going back to the Irishman, I saw Stacey, uh, at least when I saw him with, with Pacino and Graham in that, in that prison scene there, um, he was very much into improv, you know, and, and letting them try certain things within the scope of the scene so that if it works, he's okay with it. You know, he, he's a big proponent of improv. And I think improv is important. And I think that, you know, if, for, for new actors, I would try, I would say really try to start out with theater acting more so, you know. Um, I think theater acting is important uh, because it teaches you to think on your feet. You know, when, if you just start with film acting, um, you have a, a tendency to wait for that cut. You know, and yes, if you mess up, you figure, well, the director's going to cut, so I'll be fine, no problem. When you're doing the stage play and you're in front of an audience, if you mess up, you got to fix it right then and there. There's no cut; we're going to do it again. So that's part of the improv process too. It teaches you; it all teaches you how to think on your feet as an actor. And I, you know, it can be invaluable. It really can be. So yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Well, let me just give my listeners here an update on that whole stage because you actually are award winner. Yes, you were the um, yeah. LA Drama Lowe's Critics Performance yeah, Performance yeah. as the trick, and this was on on stage. So I guess I got to ask, stage yeah. or theater or movie? Which one do you like more? Do you prefer more? I mean, you'll take any job, right? But yeah, what's right. your what's your I, passion? I I enjoy them. And it may sound like a cop out to the question, but it's not. I enjoy them both equally. I really do. And for the reasons why I just said, I mean, I think that you know, I I find that I enjoy. Well, to tell you the truth, I enjoy now. I enjoy film more. I mean, I enjoy filming more uh, than than stage than theater. But um, because I think you you can do more with the story. You know, in uh, in film, but uh, I, as I said, if I started out as a film actor, I might have gotten a little lazy, and and because uh, I've seen it with other actors, younger actors that just do film, where they don't take the improv class and they don't know how to think on their feet, and they just rely on people on the director saying cut if they screw up, and it teaches you in theater, you know, how to you know it, how to really like I said, think on your feet, and you're doing this every night or every day. It teaches you how to basically, you know, you've got to be, you've got to go prepared to do what you're supposed to do. Meaning that you can have the worst day of your life, but if you're doing a comedy that night, you've got to find a way to, you know, be upbeat and make that audience laugh. You know, you've got to leave your personal life outside and you're there to do a job and you got a job to do it. So it's all mental mm-hmm. preparation, basically. It's all mental preparation. Well, I got to ask this because uh, really quickly here, Teresa and I talk about it. I want to get your perspective on this. Um, It does seem like overnight sensations are happening now on YouTube, on Twitter. TikTok, yeah. And TikTok, yeah. And and, and so you guys have done the blood, sweat, and tears, and you're watching the overnight. It's like, uh, how do you combat that? Or do you encourage it? Like, what's your message about all that? Yeah, you know, it, it, well, to tell you the truth, I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild, and Screen Actors Guild recently has a new contract that they're putting together for influencers 
quote unquote. <laughs> so, which to me is like, uh, you know, that, that's a lot of controversy right now behind that. And not in a good way from, from the members' point of view. But, um, look, you know, as Teresa said, I, I listened to that, you know, uh, kudos to them, more power to them. If, they, if they're out there doing their thing and they're getting recognition, you know, it's all about our 15 minutes of fame. I, you know, because if, 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 if you come down on them, people are only going to say you're jealous. You know, it's a sense of entitlement. You think you know, you you should have better than them, and blah 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 blah. So I I don't think that I don't think that. Um, I don't know though that they're going to be around for the long haul. That's my point. You know, I, I I'm in this business for the long haul, for the long term, not the overnight sensation, not the one hit wonder type of a thing. Which a lot of them will be one hit wonders and they'll be gone. You know, by next month or next year. Um, so you know that that's something that you know. You know, we don't have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. I mean, I, I'm dealing with it. I'm doing my thing. And I don't want to worry about anybody else. I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. have any bad karma and, and wish them bad. I don't wish them bad. Good for them. You know, good for mm-hmm. them. But I mean, but it is going to be, it's a, a lot of overnight sensations are just that. You know, they're, they're, you know uh, they become overnight sensations for the wrong reasons. Uh, if they're true overnight sensations, that is. I mean, most overnight sensations aren't overnight sensations. <laughs> They've been doing it for many, many years, and we just hear about it. You know, when mm. they become popular, so it seems like they're overnight sensations. But, but the ones that really are, I think, are going to be one hit wonders. To that point, not to not to get off topic of action, but basketball. Baylor's been around since the '40s yeah. or '30s, and yet they seem like a new team because we haven't seen them in the tournament, and they yeah. won last night. So it's like those right. overnights are not, right. as you say, are not always no, they're not overnight. No, most are no, most are in, in the trenches for years, and they're, they're they're not being seen because they're not popular, and they didn't hit on a you know a, a piece of luck that came into it. And you have to be lucky too in this business for sure. So they're not, and then when they get that that uh, you know that spotlight, all of a sudden people think they're overnight sensations, but for the most part, many are not. So and the, and these influencers that are. You know, if they're in it for the long haul, they can continue that at that pace. Good for them. I mean, it's good for them. But I don't. I, I have my doubts about that. You know, because they're not really. It's not really. A lot of them are talented, and a lot of them just they're not. And so, you know, they'll come and go, and they'll be that. So we'll see what happens with that. But I know Stag has a lot to say that too. So we'll see because they have an. By the way, contract. <laughs> you must have loved seeing that award show the other night. That was that was cool. Which one? The, uh, the Sag Astros actually was mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah, I, I, normal, but. yeah, I was on the I was on the nominating committee this year for, for the first time, so I got I got inundated with a ton of uh, screeners mm-hmm. that uh, nominating. You know, it, it was fun. I mean, it was a good thing that there was a uh, I guess a pandemic this year, and I didn't have a lot to do because I wouldn't have had the time to screen all the ones I had to screen. But it was interesting. It was an hour, and it was very 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 different. You know. Uh, for a show, an award show to be an hour with commercials. <laughs> um, but you can get away with that with the SAG Awards because that's just actors. They're just focusing on the actors. It's not you know, cinematography and writing and directing and all, all the other awards they give out at the other awards shows. So, But I'm not, I'm not crazy about this. I really like to get everybody back in the room you know, and have it, uh, have it the way it used to be because I don't think Zoom... Uh, Zoom is okay for certain things, but I don't, I don't like it for the most part for many aspects of the business. <laughs> true. And, yeah, I mean, uh, very, very true. All right, Tony, I ask one big thing that I ask a lot of my uh, guests, one thing that people don't know about you. 
wow, one people one thing people don't know about me. Uh, well, a lot of people don't know me, so that's, I can say anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, for those that know me and don't know you, uh, let's see. Ah, uh, they don't know about me. Well, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, I don't know. I have to come back to that. I don't know. I'm not too sure. <laughs> uh, sorry. And by the way, if people want to get involved with your projects, because I know you're you're seeking, um, yeah. how can they do that? How can they partner up with you? With well, I have, a, I have a Facebook page, it's a personal page, Tony Welch, W-E-L-C-H, and Anthony Welch, actor, write a Facebook page. And um, I also have, um, let me see, what else? And there's uh, Instagram, and on Instagram is Tony Welch. Uh, so uh, they can message me there. Uh, and, um, and we can go from there. But I, I, you know, I also have a trailer. There's a Street Smart trailer out on YouTube right now. It's called Street Smart Trailer 2021, and that uh, gives you the highlights of our pilot episode that we shot. Um, so, and then they can leave a message there or contact me there as well. So, well, that that'll be great. So, Tony, watch on Instagram. We'll follow you. We'll follow you there. We'll promote this there. And- Please come back with updates as you go, and, and if sure. if uh, you want to reach my listeners, let me know, and we'll have you back on for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's nice having me on. Thank you. T- Tony, this has been great. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting.